Welcome to the Love Letters Profiles podcast. I'm Barbara Farraher. And I'm Mike Farraher. We started Love Letters Profiles to help our clients write love letters to themselves. Because whether you're writing a dating profile to find the love of your life, or you're upgrading your LinkedIn profile to plot that next big career move, it starts with having the confidence to go for something bigger. Go for something you always deserved, but didn't think was in reach. Our Love Letters podcast is an extension of that. We'll speak to coaches, matchmakers, authors, titans of business, and other cool people who are living their best life right now, regardless of the circumstances. We look forward to learning from them and hope you will as well. Let's dive in. I am so excited for another guest here on Love Letters Profiles podcast. Because today we are going to learn all about etiquette. We are just going to have, you know, straighten up, sit straight in our chairs. Don't <laughs> talk with your mouth open if you've got a bagel because we've got a protocol expert here. Go ahead. I, I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm starting to think about my Nana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I would love everyone to be introduced to Cheryl Walker-Robinson. Cheryl leads Protocol International whose expertise is developing programs on international protocol, cultural awareness, business etiquette, and image training that prepares professionals with the critical behaviors necessary to build lasting business relationships and add value to their businesses and organizations. Wow, Cheryl, welcome. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here with you this morning. Oh, we're so excited to chat with you. So let's let's just dive right in. Tell us about your history. How and why did you get into the business? And then, if you don't mind, tell us what a good day in the office looks like. Ah, okay. I like the last part of that question best, but let's begin <laughs> at the beginning. Sure. You know, my history is such that when I was growing up, I grew up around a lot of boys. I have all brothers and uh, I was very close to my first cousins and we all lived very close to one another. And so as the only girl, you know, it was really important for me to compete and, and compete well. So I honestly could jump higher. I could climb the tree faster. I could kick the can further and it had a mean jump shot too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I was quite the tomboy. So when my mom looked out the window and saw me in the driveway, it made her cringe. So it, it, she insisted on me going to etiquette classes every summer. So when my brothers were going to basketball camp, which is where I wanted to go as well, I was in etiquette class, like cringing. So, you know, that's kind of what my history was. I hated it every summer, uh, but I did sit straight and I knew how to walk with a book on my head very well. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I got into the profession, all of that stuff I learned kicked in. Uh, I became a flight attendant and it was very important that you build rapport very quickly, that you were had empathy, especially when it came to cross-cultural relationships. And when you're serving someone, especially if they're afraid of flying, it really did take etiquette to help people feel comfortable. And that was really the number one rule of etiquette, you know, making someone feel comfortable around you. But, but uh, Pan Am also helped us understand protocol which is how to understand cultures and what was uh, people's preferences, you know, based on where they grew up or where they were from. And so I was just fascinated 
uh, by the learning and by the training. And I had a new appreciation. I had to call my mother and thank her, you know, for all the fussing, you know, that I did when she was forcing me to go to etiquette class. You know, it really did make a big difference in my life and in my career. So once I uh, started working for Pan Am, it became everything to me. I tried to read every book I could get my hands on. I went to every class that was offered. And then I found a school that was really meant for ambassadors and uh, for military wives. And I, uh, I signed up for the program, even though I was, a, I was different from everyone else in the class. But what I learned there really took my learning to, to the next level. And then I really kind of figured out, you know, there are some unwritten rules out here you know, these things that are expected of us, but nobody ever told us. And so I, I started a business because I wanted everybody to know the secret sauce. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And how, so what's a good day in the office look like for you? You know, when you're dealing with so many different kinds of personalities and people in situations, um, I'm sure that this, <clears throat> I would imagine that this kind of a role really allows you to reduce people's anxiety, right? Because I'm sure, you know, when you go into a social situation, especially one that's, that's formal, it, it is anxiety inducing sometimes when people are like, okay, you know, where to hold the, the fork and how to hold the fork and where to sit down and who do I talk to? And, you know, how long do I spend at each social situation at a cocktail party? So I would imagine once you know, what to do, you put people at ease so that they can be their true selves. I would imagine that's, that's the great value in what you do. Is that- No, is that's that fantastic, accurate? Michael, because you know what? This is where confidence lives. Once you know what's expected of you and you understand the rules of engagement, you know, somebody tells you the rules of the game and then you know how to operate, then you're confident. You don't have to worry about, did I do the right thing? Did I say the right thing? Did I hurt someone's feelings? You know, am I, am I worthy of being in this space, in this room? You know, so once you understand protocol and etiquette, then you can walk into any room with a lot of confidence and you don't have to worry about the basics anymore. Now you just really focus on the relationships because you already know you've shown up correctly. So that's a really good way to look at the benefits of protocol and etiquette. It is about making people feel comfortable at the end of the day. Although I'm not sure that I do that for everyone, Michael, because sometimes I'm with a group of folks and maybe they, somebody knows me very well, others don't. We're at dinner and someone will say, oh my goodness, did you know that Cheryl was a, an expert in protocol and etiquette? Now everybody doesn't want to eat with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> so it's a double-edged sword, you know? <laughs> and they didn't even get the basketball in their hand. Forget it. <laughs> I just have to tell you something really cute. Mike and I went to a very fancy, I don't even remember what it was. It was an ambassador, like Irish ambassador situation. I don't remember what it was. But I remember the food was unbelievable. It was at the Plaza Hotel. Nice. And I felt way out of my element. <laughs> and there was a table of food. And I kept eating this one thing that I thought was a cheese stick. And it was the first time I found out what heart of palm was. Because <laughs> <laughs> it has the same, you know, the same shape. And I found a new love for a new food. And I was totally not being anywhere in the, in the realm of etiquette because I was scarfing down. <laughs> Just a little side. Hey, there's so many of those situations, as they say, 
that you find yourself in. Often when I do my programs, uh, my sessions, I ask my uh, clients, you know, so tell me about the time when you know you did something that was a faux pas. And then the stories are just so funny because once you <laughs> know what the protocol and etiquette of a situation is, then you think back about other situations you were in before you knew and you actually like, oh my God, I've been making a lot of mistakes because you know what? You don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know these are a lot of third rail topics here, but I, I would also imagine that at least from my perspective, this this has etiquette and protocol just in the last few years alone has so radically changed. I mean, you have the the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. which which is really awakening, at least from a male's perspective anyway, you know, what is and is not appropriate when you're flirting, yes, for example, yes. or, you know, a lot of the awareness around, you know, Black Lives Matter, yeah, race. And how to address people of color and right. race, and then all of those Even things. deeper, you talk about race, how about ethnicity, because a lot of people don't even get the difference, you know, because right, you have right. dark skin, yeah. I'm assuming you're Black, but maybe you're Caribbean, maybe you're African. <laughs> and that's true of other yeah. cultures. You can't tell Asian. Can you tell who's Japanese, who's Chinese, who's Vietnamese or exactly. Latin communities? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was just in a, in a seminar around that over the weekend, which was super eye-opening. And then just two weeks ago, I was in a seminar and it was really motivating. And I had said to this woman that was on Zoom, I said, you know, you're just my sister in this movement. And she stopped me and she said, I identify as they. I stopped and I said, okay, how would you like to be identified? Can you please educate me? Because when I say you're my sister in this movement, how would that have worked for you? And she said, I am your sibling in this mm. movement. You know, so so it, it was really... Mm -hmm ongoingly educating yourself and, and I would imagine from a protocol perspective that is also a very interesting place for you to be in as well because as these different I don't want to call them movements but for lack of a better word these 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 new levels of yes, awareness that's right awareness awakening you know it's a very exciting time to be in this business and in this space and it's not just as a protocol and etiquette expert or a coach consultant, the DNI space, uh, diversity, inclusion, equity, um, and to be a leader during this time uh, is really, really exciting because what an opportunity we have. I, when I started my business over 25 years ago, I had to do a lot of explaining around what protocol was. <laughs> I mean, people really didn't know. Um, and I didn't like so much the interchange because when you talk about etiquette, people have visions of dining, you know, which side of the place setting does your fork go on? And I really didn't want that to be the brand and the image because it's so much deeper when you talk about behavior and, and how you think and how you treat people. It's much more than which side of the table your water glasses on. And so then I had to go into, uh, you know, this is really about how you show up. This is about how you think about other people and how people think of you based on what you present. And, and, and then who are you? What are your characteristics? And what are your values? You know, what are you bringing to the table that enhances relationships, whether it's yours one-on-one -on -one 
or whether it's because of the company that you're representing. So if you are the CEO of a Fortune 500, Fortune 100 company or the CEO of your own entrepreneur venture, the people that are representing you, do they show up the way you need them to? Are they courteous? Did you set up some protocol to help them understand this is how I want you to be when you represent my brand? And so that's what it becomes because we really are responsible for one another. And, and when you represent a company and you represent a brand, then the onus is, yes, it's on you, but it's also on the leader of the organization to make sure that their people are doing the right thing by people. <laughs> we do business with yeah. people. We don't necessarily that's, do business with companies, right? That's so, that's so uh, true. That's so true. On. I, I, I have to laugh because when I was on the fine, when I was on your website and I looked at the fine dining coaching, <laughs> I always thought of my, my uncle who's from Ireland and every time we went into a fancy wedding or some social situation and there was all the different forks and knives there and he, you know, saying his Irish accent, he's like, well, Jesus, it is only myself eating here. I mean, Jesus, they put, they took out all the cutlery, like, you know, but, but it was funny. I was talking to somebody this weekend about that you were going to be our guest and she 30 years old, and just so poised, such a poised young woman. She just said, oh, my God, give me the website there, because there's so many times that I go to a business dinner and I'm just locked up, not knowing, you know, where to put my knife, where to put my napkin, how to engage in conversation. What if there's spinach in my teeth? You know, and it was so, so, so just tell us a little bit more about the fine dining coaching, because that's that I would imagine, you know, who among us? doesn't feel at some point self-conscious at a, at a high, at a high octane yeah, cocktail party where you're, where you're in a, you know, a tuxedo or it's fine. And, and like you said, confidence is, will carry the day in the cocktail no party, right? So tell us a little bit about your, your service. Yeah. There. So we have several divisions. So uh, we have a division for children. So we talk about children's protocol and etiquette. We have a division for colleges and universities. We have a corporate division. And we have an international division. My husband is the president of the elite athlete division. So you two aren't the only married couple who are doing things, big things together. Nice. <laughs> so when we talk about our dining experience, it is actually a tutorial, although because of the pandemic, everything has been virtual. But you can have us come out to your group or I can meet you at a restaurant and we will take you through every single detail, every single nuance of either being a guest and being a host when you're entertaining over a meal. At what point in the meal do you think it's important to talk about business? I would say... Four cocktails in? Yeah, I'm more of the four cocktails guy. <laughs> no. I, 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 I like to get the lubrication, <laughs> the, the alcoholic lubrication going. No, I, I, would, I would imagine that, um, you know, after the order is placed... Um, I would have said that somewhere around, you know, after maybe the appetizer and the drink orders are placed before things get too clanging around the dinner table, uh, that would be my guess. You know, the, the intersection between, you know, when everybody's got drinks in their hand and the orders placed and you're waiting for the food to come out, that would be my answer. So as your protocol expert, which I now consider myself. <laughs> Absolutely. You're high. You <laughs> Whatever is about your mouth, you're hired. You would talk about business probably 
somewhere close to the end of the entree, right before dessert. You know why? Really? If this was all about business and you wanted to just jump in here and start talking about business, why didn't we just meet in the office? Why aren't we just in your, in your boardroom? The reason you talk about business over a meal is because you really want to get to know your client and you want your client to get to know you better. So it's really about the relationship. There's something in Chinese culture called guanxi, and it is all about I develop a relationship with you first because I cannot do business with you unless we have that. And that's really why you're dining together. And so you want to know a lot about the person that you're dining with, what school they went to, what, what their aspirations are, what's their favorite color, what's their horoscope sign, you know, how many brothers and sisters do they have, what school did they go to, what's their favorite vacation. Like you really want to enjoy each other's company over a great meal. And then now that I like you, you like me, we're much more comfortable with one another. We're more open. We've shared a lot, not about business. Now we can talk about business. And that's somewhere close to dessert, somewhere after the entree, at the end of the entree, about the time the wait staff is clearing the place and getting ready for dessert. And that's why we're supposed to take our time. You know, when you're dining over for business, it really does make you pace it a little bit different. It almost, so it almost sounds like it a is date. a date. <laughs> yeah, it's a date. It, the way you described it, you know, when you when when you're yeah. getting to know what someone romantically too, that that actually, where'd you go to school? Why are you smirking? You know, it, it's funny. all it's still all relational. <laughs> you know. And when you think about it that way, it does take some of those jitters out. I'm here to get to know Correct. you and have a Correct. meal. Now, how do you reconcile that? This is an interesting question. How do you reconcile that right now, right? So when you say, and it totally makes sense, just as you said, it makes sense. So I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you by any stretch of the imagination. And as we're coming out of the pandemic, a lot of restaurants have imposed a 90-minute minimum of how long you can sit in the restaurant because they obviously want to move tables because they have a lower capacity in the dining room, right? So how does that timeline you just mentioned play into protocol where you want to mix the relationship building with the purpose of the, of the business dealing that you're yeah, got well, in front of you? you know, that's also a double-edged sword because you know, how many people are really dining for business during the pandemic? Uh, and so that 90 minute may be a no brainer because if you're just going out with people who are in your bubble, that changes that whole dynamic anyway. And, and depending on where you are in the country and in the world, you know, outdoor dining uh, and people who are really open to this, you know, dining in your home, you know, small dinner parties where you're introducing people and and inviting a client into your space at home. I mean, these are the powerful things that are happening now as a result of the pandemic. And it really becomes important to understand protocol and etiquette now, because the thing about this is when people know, they know, and they know when you know, but, but they also know when <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> and so no one's ever gonna say, oh my goodness, when I asked you to pass me the salt, you're supposed to pass me the salt and the pepper. Like nobody's gonna say that, but they'll, it'll just be like a note you know, in their mind you know, that maybe, and it's not a big deal, 
but small things become big things. You know, this is also a matter of trust. And I want to trust that we operate by the same rules. And so these are things that tell me that you and I agree on how we're supposed to be in business situations. And if I know that you're waiting for me in the lobby instead of sitting down at the table, starting to eat before I get there, that tells me so much about you. <laughs> tells me about, you know, how you're treating me or, or how you care for me. Mm. It tells me that you've been well-trained or you've been, some people will even say raised well. <laughs> yes. You yeah. know? That's what I was just so, thinking. Yep. Yep. I could also hear my mother's. I could also hear my mother's Irish accent saying, "You weren't reared <laughs> exactly. like that." Exactly. You know? So these <laughs> become a referendum about not just how you dine or how you entertain, but what type of person you are, what your values, what your character is. And so, if I see that we operate by the same rules early in the game, then we're going to skip a few steps in our guanxi in developing our relationship, because I already know. Oh, clearly they understand the rules of the game. We operate the same way. Now I can talk about this or now I can invite them here or now I have a better understanding that we're on the same page and that's where trust starts. Now, if, we, if, we, if I see that you mm. don't operate the same way, now I got to take you through a few more tests just to make sure that you know, we're going to be okay through this process. So interesting. So eye-opening. Wow. So I was Thank telling you. you about these different divisions. So something like, of dining. So if we do something for dining for our children's division, it's called dining fun dementals. And so it's the same lesson basically, <laughs> but it's different in how we approach it. It's different in the games that we play, the language that we use, etc. If we're doing something for college students, then it becomes about the job interview over a meal, right? And so it's really important to them or dating over a meal. So it becomes important to them for, for a different reason. We do it for athletes. So we call it swagger. <laughs> so it's sort of tricky because, you know, these guys, they're like, we don't want to do this. You know, we want to go play basketball. But if this is about the art of how to have swagger, now they can't wait to sit down at the dinner table, you know, with Dennis and I to talk about how they're supposed to show up. And of course, when we're talking about business, mm -hmm. you know, then it's the art of fine dining or rules of engagement when entertaining a client over a meal. We actually have a book uh, by that title. And so it becomes way more serious and mm. the details are way more intimate and, and, and much more laser focused. So do you meet them at the front door uh, and how you tell the maitre d' I'm here, I'm expecting a client. They look like this, very important meal for me. You know, slip them maybe a little tip. I need the best table. I need the best waiter. And I, and I need your help to help me close this deal today. So they're in it with you. You know, they're pulling for you in the kitchen because you've given them, you know, this kind of intel. And, and of course, now you end up with the best waiter. And now you and the waiter are communicating in a way, you know, so maybe we're at a certain point in our conversation. And I'm not ready for you to bring out our appetizers yet because I really want to make this point or I really want to hear this story. So you look at the waiter, the waiter looks at you silent service code, they call it. And the waiter knows, give me a minute. Don't come to the table now. Let us finish this point. You know, so these little things come into play because the meal is so much more important than the food. Yeah, it is. It's like a dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, let's shift gears.
because I know you do a lot of things with uh, networking yes. too, something you coach on. And in the in this time, in these times, we've done a lot of Zoom speed dating network events, and it's been really, really fun. So, how is it different, you know, doing things on Zoom versus live? And when you're working, and what advice would you give? Yeah, there's some things that are common uh, when we're talking about networking, even though we're doing it virtually. You know, it's still about the relationship. It's still about making a, an amazing first impression. Uh, but you're doing it virtually, so we lose a bit of the body language. You know, I don't get a chance to show you physically how open I am necessarily. I mean, even on Zoom, you have to face the camera. You have to look at the light because that's great eye contact. But on Zoom, you can do so many cool, fun things like the chat room. I think it's totally underused, the chat room. And so when you're networking, you know, just to send somebody that said something on the call that, you know, you related to, but it's not something you want to blurt out to everybody. So you just send a little note in chat room. That was a really great idea. I love that point you just made. That's networking. That's protocol. And, um, mm. you know, to invite someone after the call, I would love to have tea with you. You know, can we get together, you and I, one-on-one, uh, you know, for a happy hour or for a little tea? I'd like to discuss that point you made, you know, uh, separately from this call. That's powerful networking. That's what you would do live, right? <laughs> and then there's yeah, some exactly. things, you, can, yeah, uh, you know, the filters absolutely. that, uh, and I, I, you know, the filters are super fun. <laughs> yeah. and, and if you're the lead, if you're the host for a meeting, then the onus is on you to make sure that everybody's engaged, that they're having a good time. You know, icebreakers are really important during Zoom networking sessions. You know, you may want to have everybody, you know, put on a hat or put on shades, you know, because of those fun things that, that Zoom has to make it whimsical and fun. You know, so networking is still happening and it's still super important, even though we're also virtual. You know what I'm hearing, Cheryl, is that I keep hearing fun and whimsical and comfort, and it really seems to take a lot of that nervousness and anxiety out of things and just being a person-to-person -person yeah. relationship. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a whole social anxiety piece that uh, just in talking to you, I, I love that. When you find out what's expected of you, then you just operate inside of that. And if that's it the is, antidote it to is. social and authentically, anxiety, You know, because honestly, we know when you're nervous and, and, and it comes off as you acting weird or strange or, or oh, yeah, <laughs> they're not that approachable or uh, I wasn't that comfortable around them. You know, you're not comfortable around them because they're not comfortable with themselves in this situation. And so you end up being totally the opposite of what yeah. you need to be or what you want to be because you don't understand the rules of engagement and you didn't take a protocol international class or <laughs> you don't know, you don't understand how to be. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's why it's so important to have, I mean, where do you go when you have a question like that? Like I am the dictionary, the Wikipedia, you know, for everybody in my network. Uh, I got a call um, yesterday from a good friend and he's the chief of police in, in, a, uh, in, in a city in Florida. And well-rounded, amazing guy, big title, super important in his network and in his role. 
And he called me and said, I got this really important meal. I had to take a, a, a board member out. I was just nominated for this board and I've invited him to lunch. And I just want to ask you a few questions. Like I was so honored because who would have thought that he needed that kind of coaching? And that, that's the thing, unless you've been mm, formally trained, right. how would you know? So let me ask you, because we're both music people here. Uh, you're, you're about to go out to a fancy dinner with a client. What is the music you would typically play to psych yourself up or be in the car to calm you down? What is what is Cheryl usually put on to make sure that that <laughs> I love get this nailed? song by Desiree. It's an old song and it's called How to Be... You got to be bad. You got to be bold. You got to be good. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know this, Cheryl, oh, but I'm wow. actually a DJ on the radio. And yeah, and one of my favorite things that I do is the 90s at noon. <laughs> and Desiree is part of that. Location. I'm so glad we should see it together again sometime soon. <laughs> I'll make sure I have the lyrics in front of me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I, I'm a mood friend. girl, you know, so sometimes right. <laughs> I'll play Miles Davis, So What? Uh, sometimes I'll play Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm in a Beyonce mood. Nice. And honestly, when I do my Zoom calls, when I do my Zoom training, I always start with music and it's always relevant. So, hey, maybe I'm a DJ of sorts as well. <laughs> I think you are. I got to tell you, I'm a firm believer that music is the connector of Mm -hmm, all things, mm -hmm. whether you like it or you don't. You know what I mean? You know, some people may not like a certain artist or this or that, but there's there's just a for every. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're stuck on Rihanna's work when we do some of our big presentations. We we take the words out, but everybody. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Work, 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 work. Love it. I woke up like this. I don't know about you guys. I woke up like yes, this. Or yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely could be a Rihanna breaking dishes kind of day for sure. So, oh, it's not over, so, is it? So, oh my lightning and so wonderful. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it all, makes you want it more. Well, here's here's the thing. I'm looking. I'm looking out for you here because if we we could spend hours on the phone with you and. You know, then you would have spilled all your secrets, and nobody would go. We can't on your have website that. We cannot have that, Michael. You. So, so please, please, please tell everybody where they can locate you. And uh, well, I'd love to go. chat with anyone. And of course, my website is www four, and that's the number four protocol p r o t o c o l dot net. And um, I would love to hang out and friend with you on Facebook or LinkedIn, Twitter, at 4Protocol. We're on all social media platforms. And I have to tell you, as soon as we can and everything is all opened up, I oh my goodness, I would be so delighted. And I've discovered all these new tea rooms in New Jersey. So let's do that. Quite a Ooh, few. Ooh, a tea room in New Jersey. I would That's think great. that. Is Kermit the Frog coming? <laughs> he goes Man, nowhere without Miss Piggy these days, I heard. <laughs> So there you go. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell we have 20-year-old children? Yeah. Well, well we, we should stop and let people Google the uh, Kermit the Frog tea reference. It's that tea, tea now means gossip. It's fantastic. And, uh, and Kermit was the uh, Kermit holding a cup yes, of tea yes. is sort of the uh, the meme for that. So 
Uh, we will we will do a tea room, but the gossip will be. You know, we're doing a virtual say, so. tea every anyway, Thursday in so, the month so of April, so perhaps we can do a virtual tea together. Okay, I'm in. Hold on, how do we? Is that for just your whole the two audience of us, is invited to tea to with audience? Cheryl Walker Robertson on Thursdays, and so you just go to Eventbrite, low tea with Cheryl Walker Robertson. But I want a private tea with the two of you. Fantastic. Oh, We're that's in. Great. That's great. I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing the tea leaves and the milk and the sugar. <laughs> this was so awesome. much fun. Cheryl, I'm so delighted so to much. be on your show. Thank you for having me. If you're a small business owner, that business is your baby. And sometimes it's just hard to describe that baby. But that's where we come in. At Career Letters, we're experts at copywriting. Everything from brochures to websites to value propositions, mission statements, pitch decks, we do it all. Let us describe your passion. Visit us on careerletters.com, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and like us on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to the Love Letters podcast. Our aim is to lift people with words with our dating and career profiles we create. And we hope these words in this podcast lifted you as well. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell friends about it. You can also like us on our Facebook and Instagram on Love Letters Profiles. To visit our website, check out loveletterspropiles.com.